listening to Inside Out with Turner and Seth. And Seth, uh, we have a, a unique episode since I am on the road in Massachusetts and we had an opportunity to speak with one of the members of String Cheese. We are not going to pass up on that. So, Seth. So what Rob's trying to say is Rob allowed me to conduct an interview on my own with Bill Nershey, and uh, it was a fun one at that, a short, sweet, and to the point. And folks, you listeners know, I'm not shy about giving Seth guff, and while there's a couple things I would have done differently, a couple follow-ups I would have done, he really, I think, did mostly a very, very good job. Very, very good job. Wow, thank you there, Rob. Much better my poolside chats, is what you're trying to say? A completely different world from your poolside chats. <laughs> and, uh, no, no, and no dear friends taking over the mic in the audience. <laughs> uh, speaking of dear friends. Osiris. This podcast is in the loop. The Legion of Osiris podcasts. Osiris is creating a community that connects people like you with live experiences and podcasts about artists and topics you love. Get in the loop at OsirisPod.com. The Osiris Podcast Network, our family, our friends, our people. You know what I listened to just the other day? Uh, Across the Margin had um, the gentleman who directed the new Trey movie, which I'm going to go see on July 17th. I think you all should. It's going to be a one-day uh, – it's a documentary showing for one day only all over the country. And I got and, your uh, ticket, the Mar- by the way, Rob. You did? I'm, I'm going to be up here, though. Oh. Well, uh, hey, our first caller. No, just kidding. We don't have callers, but uh, I guess uh, I'll give that ticket to someone else. Yeah. I'm going to see it in Marlboro, Mass. Well, speaking of Massachusetts, which is so close to one of our new sponsors, CBD Vermont. Absolutely. Actually, I was in Vermont last weekend for dinner one night. Love Vermont. Tell us about CBD, Seth. Well, we're proud to be sponsored by CBD Vermont. They believe in healthy soils, strong local economies, and plant-based wellness go hand in hand. That's why they work with organic farmers across Vermont to grow the highest quality hemp and produce full-spectrum CBD extracts for wholesale. They recently launched an online store where you can buy Vermont-made CBD products, including oils, capsules, edibles, and topicals. They have all been fully vetted by the staff at CBD Vermont. And if you want, you can actually get 15% off. Our listeners are getting 50% off all their products. All you got to do is go to cbdvermont.com and use the code INSIDEOUT. That's one word, INSIDEOUT, at checkout to get the 15% off. Again, that's cbdvermont.com. And Rob, they sent me a care package. I told you the uh, on our prior episode I was running, and I strained my muscle in my leg, and I never used any type of CBD oils. I tried it. And it worked. Now, I went running yesterday, and I re-entered the same spot, and I immediately used the CBD, and I can't, I mean, going from the pain, the same injury, and this stuff really works. I didn't, I had no clue, uh, and so thank you, CBD Vermont. Uh, I can speak to your product. It actually does yes. help. Seth, you're just another example that it's no longer uh, theoretical. The benefits of CBD are a real thing, people. Yeah, so please, again, check them out, cbdvermont.com. Use the promo code INSIDEOUT at checkout to get 15% off. And speaking off, we got one more sponsor we want to thank because without them, I wouldn't be, I mean, I think off, I'm like, I'm not going to take off my headphones because I'm listening to so much music on... Nugs.net. I am a customer. I am a fan. Uh, the, the subscription that you get, you get access if you subscribe to the Nugs.net app. 
Okay, Seth? You get access to all this soundboard music. And I love the audience recordings. I love my tapers. And some shows may even sound better uh, from an audience recording, but it's, you know, nice, sweet soundboards are the way. And there are just so many bands, including the great Pearl Jam. I was just telling my sister, she was surprised that Pearl Jam and Bruce Springsteen, they sell their music uh, through a website that came out of the jam band community. Right on, Brad Serling, right on nugs.net. And for those of you that are not subscribers yet, our listeners were getting a 35% discount on the annual subscription. All you got to do is go to nugs.net slash inside out. That's nugs.net slash inside out and get 35% off a subscription. Give the gift of live music to a friend, uh, nugs.net slash inside out for 35% off your annual subscription. Now, let's, let's get right into the show. What do you say there, Rob? Yes, well, we have a lot of Street Cheese fans uh, listening this week, and we want to welcome you. Um, I don't pretend to be a huge Street Cheese fan, but I have three great moments, three great times I had with a band that I would like to bring up. Is that okay? Yeah, go ahead. Make it quick. No, I'm just kidding. Go ahead. <laughs> okay, I will. No, last year at Electric Forest, uh, when they did that special set, and they had the drones, and I, I really thought there was a theme behind the, They did a, a kind of medley of covers that I thought, kind of fit the theme of what uh, some of these poor immigrants are going through. Uh, not to get political or anything, no matter what side of the political spectrum you're on, uh, there's some immigrants that were are in unfortunate situation, and that was the time, and Street Cheese really, really captured it. I thought it was beautiful. The two others are both in the same year, within the same week, Seth, in 2000 at uh, Jazz Fest. Oh, I was at those. I was at the, uh, I was just talking about that at the uh, Sanger Theater. The Sanger Show, Bela Fleck and the Flecktones opened. Uh, String Cheese played a great show, including a Birdland with uh, oh, the Flecktones sitting good. in. Yeah, you remember and, that. And Kang and Fleck went toe-to-toe, and it was it was just killer. And then that boat, that little, I think it was called the Cajun Queen. You were on that one, too? Yes. Oh, my God. I didn't realize we were on the same place at the same time back String then. Cheese ripped, they ripped the crap out of that boat. That was just, that was an incredible String Cheese incident show. So I'm not a string cheese hater by any stretch. I just, you know, it's only so much time in the day, and then there's so many great bands. So. Well, that's just interesting that we were at the same I, – I mean, I would have put the Sanger up there. And I forgot about the boat show, and so you mentioned that, but I was just thinking, yeah. And 2000 was an interesting year because one of my favorite shows that they did, it was uh, – what was that farm – oh, my God. Anyway, it wasn't all good, um, but um, – uh, Walter did some stuff with these guys, the Sunshine Daydream Farm, and they did. And String Cheese did a show there, and I forget what the the event was called, but they, it was really cool. And they they came out and did a. That's where they did a rollover that really made me roll over, and I think I was rolling at the time too. Yeah, that might have something to do. A lot with of it. people, a lot of people don't know they played with Steve Winwood at Bonner once too. Wow. Well, uh, I really appreciate uh, Bill Nursey giving me the time to sit down and chat. It was at the Fox, which was interesting to be back at the Fox. Uh, I haven't really walked through the back um, backstage of the Fox since since Bruce. I think it's been that long, um, but they were really accommodating. Uh, we sat down uh, and picked it up. A buddy of mine reminded me, though, Rob, of again going back to the year two thousand at Berkfest when I I saw Nershi and my buddy's like uh Brian Cuffer, you remember him. He was reminding me about the of time course. we were there and he's like Great he, guy. I'm holding on to the lighter and Brian's just waiting desperately to get that lighter for me and I'm talking to Nershi and I'm trying to like get him so you know t- trying to talk to him about how I could like promote string cheese in Tallahassee at the time. And he's like, Yeah, you know, you just gotta keep working, man and uh you know get to get to a place to 
you know, people know who you are and, and, and then we'll be there. And years later, I never got them to never promoted them, but have worked with them on several different things. So there you go. Um, I met him once. I met him once, and we talked about stuff like Peter Rowan and David Grisman and all bluegrass stuff. He's definitely very knowledgeable, very friendly, approachable guy. Um, so I'm excited well, to hear this interview. Uh, you, I noticed you use a little Turner trick. Oh, what's that? Well, the. We'll let people listen, and then we'll talk about it in the outro. What we're going to do is we're going to play this interview, and then we have a uh, another quick segment, and we're going to – Seth's got a little, another interview he did with the Conscious Alliance folks. And then in the outro, I'm going to tell you about – I went to a little bachelor party at Fish uh, in Philadelphia. Well, the bachelor party was mostly in Philadelphia, but Fish played over the – over the water in Camden, my ride there and arrival there was quite momentous, and we'll tell you about that later. All right, well, Seth, uh, probably, Seth, you have some tidbits to tell us too, right? Yeah, of course. I mean, listen, Rob's out of town, and I've been in town by myself, uh, hanging I'm out so and relaxing. Sad. So, uh, you, you miss me, I can tell. Not really. Uh, <laughs> surprisingly, not. Um, yes, you, yes, you do. You miss. No, me. I mean, I, okay. I miss you like a ward on my foot. You know, it's like, oh, it's not there anymore. I know you want the listeners to think you're tough. That's cool, whatever. But I know you miss me, and that's that's cool. I, I appreciate that. That's I can feel the love. But that's what was cool is that Bill, when we when I sat down with him, we had a great chat. Uh, Josh Thane, our former engineer, was there to uh, help engineer this one. So thanks, Josh, for that. And um, Bill, you know, we didn't talk, we didn't focus all on string cheese. Uh, I want you to know going into it, I wanted to talk about Bill. I wanted to. He, he's got an interesting career, and I really, I knew we were only going to have. I was only have thirty minutes, so. I hope you enjoy what we pulled out of that 30 minutes. So here you, here you go, Bill. We are backstage here at the Fox Theater, sitting down here with uh, Bill Nurshi. How you doing? I'm doing okay, thanks. This is like a home away from home for you, right? I mean, the Fox. We have played. We've played the Fox Theater a few times now. It's a, a, a cool thing because we like these these old theaters, you know, twenties theaters, and and uh, this is one that's uh, as beautiful as all the rest in the United States, maybe even more so. But it's also uh, one of the largest ones that I've ever played. You know, you just played one of the smallest ones too in St. Louis, right? Um, oh, the Fox in St. Louis, yeah, yeah. Well, that's more the norm of the of these old theaters, but uh, yeah, it's good to be down here in Atlanta again. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and switching holidays, it used to be four twenty, and now it's around the that's Fourth right. of July. So it's always you always keeping it on the let's just say the high holidays. <laughs> Um, well, I, I want to talk to you about a bunch of different things. I want to start off by talking about uh, the bluegrass scene, right? The new grass, bluegrass, or the new bluegrass scene. It's really continued to grow over the last, you know, 20-something years, and you guys have been a big part of that. Um, and talking about bands like uh, that, that came into the scene, at first you had Leftover and Yourself, mm-hmm. and then through there, Yonder Mountain, of course, the infamous String Dusters now, Green Sky Bluegrass, et cetera, mm-hmm. really taking, taking the realm. Um, just curious about, like, the early days and where you guys came into the jam band scene of that, where your head was then, and what, what were your thoughts of where it would go, and did it really reach that, or is it totally different than where you thought it would go? Yeah, it's... it's Back then, no one could have foreseen where we would be today and what kind of music we would be playing today, but um, we were all always a band that uh, 
welcomed everybody's different ideas and musical tastes and likes and uh, songs that were brought in were attempted at the very least. You know, when we started out, it was, I would say, uh, more, you know, it started out being influenced uh, definitely by the Newgrass scene, uh, Newgrass revival, and at that point, the people from Newgrass Revival had started other projects. You know, Sam and John were playing together, and uh, Bela was doing the Flectones. Um, and we listened a lot to uh, this uh, band called Strength in Numbers, and that was uh, Jerry Douglas, Sam Bush, Bela Fleck, uh, Mark O'Connor played, uh, Edgar Meyer on the bass, and... Um, Really, really excellent band, and we listened a lot to uh, mm-hmm. the Grisman Quintet. Um, we also listened to uh, uh, a lot of different kind of styles, Paco de, uh, Paco de Lucia and, and uh, uh, Latin jazz, African, uh, Jean-Luc Ponty, so... Uh, it really came from a lot of the, the festival scene and a lot of the Telluride bluegrass festival scene and the different musicians that had come through there. When did you end up in Colorado? Because you're an East Coaster, but you were born in the East Coast, and, right? Yes, I'm a Jersey bastard. <laughs> uh, so does that mean uh, you and Tim Carbone are running around as kids? Carbone and I get along well, yeah. <laughs> we didn't know each other till many years later, but... Uh, uh, my brother had moved to uh, Telluride in the 70s, and I visited him um, it, when I was a teenager, and it kind of blew me away, the mountains and the just the wildness of, of the, the life in, in the Rockies and in Telluride. And I moved there in 81, and... I've been in Colorado ever since. So that's when you first got, is it, we can blame your brother on the skiing? He influenced your brother, influenced you on the skiing? Blame my brother for, you know, coming to Telluride and, uh, and becoming kind of out of control. And what about the McCurry band? I know the McCurry band, you've done some stuff with, well, recently as well, but how far back does your relationship go with them? Well, it goes pretty far back. If you, if you start by, uh, when I heard the Del McCory band play at Telluride Bluegrass Festival, which was in the eighties, this before you were in, were you in a band at this point? I was playing in duet duets, triets, and and such uh, in Telluride, playing playing a lot of opera ski uh, shows and happy hour things like that, and uh, trying to get a, as many uh, free drinks as I could and get through the ski seasons, et cetera. Um, and, uh, you know, I played in some bluegrass bands and, and things like that. But, uh, you know, it was more like I would, every year I would find out who was in town that, that was a good player and find one, one partner or maybe two partners to just do a simple musical act. And I, at the same time I was cooking in, a restaurant in Telluride at the Floridora, and I was also um, uh, trying to sell uh, my art 
I did a lot of logos and T-shirt designs and things like that. Did you come up with the first uh, cheese logo then? Was uh, the the SCI was that is that you? The Pagan Swirl. Yeah. Yeah, I did that. That was a that was a um, a scratch board drawing that I had done and turned easily into a T-shirt design. And I was printing T-shirts yeah. at that time, so I pr- I printed the first T-shirts too. But now Dell, though, just uh, if you can talk a little bit more about Dell, because Dell, like, I feel it's kind of I feel like he's kind of gone through a wave, like, you know, like right with with all that we just talked about, like with the the resurgence of this music. Right. And how big and popular mm-hmm. it's getting and opening it up. Now, all of a sudden, Dell's getting a lot more popularity again. And I felt like in the 90s, well, late 90s, early 2000s kind of was quiet. And now it's I think it's picking back up on the rise. Would you agree? Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, I I think that one of the reasons that uh, the Del McCoury band and the Traveling McCourys, which are basically the 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 kids and the rest of the band, when because uh, Del doesn't go out on all the shows now, um, I think one of the reasons that they have been really successful is they've been very open-minded about not being staunch in the bluegrass scene. They've been open to playing with us and playing with a lot of other bands that are more in the jam band scene that are, uh, so they got exposed to a lot of, uh, a a lot larger crowd, um, more, a a larger section of the pie of musical listeners Mm -hmm. than they would have if they had adopted the attitude of, uh, oh, those guys, are in Bill Monroe's words, no part of nothing, and we're not going to play with them. They were, Dell was already always open to uh, playing with Salmon and String Cheese and other bands. And um, I think that that attitude has really helped them uh, be successful. Yeah. And uh, so you're talking, you know, I'm thinking that that gets me thinking about Nashville. And then that gets me thinking about Drew Emmett, who's mm-hmm. from Nashville. Uh, and you've right. done a lot with Emmett as well. Um, that You did a CD. I feel like it's 10 years ago or so. Maybe it's been it's, <laughs> it's been a while now. Yeah. What, any any plans for doing something in the future? Um, I don't I don't know. Right now, uh, my the string cheese is occupying a lot of my musical time. And uh I'm, I'm, I'm pretty at, at a, I've got a full plate, you know, playing with the band and writing songs and, um, also been doing some traveling and all, trying to spend family time. So, uh, not, I'm not doing quite as many, uh, uh, you know, extra projects as I used to. Right. Well, you still have the one with Jillian, right? You guys, uh, you and your wife have some, uh, some events coming up, right? We, we, Jill and I play, um, and that's real easy, you know, cause we, we hang out and play at the house and sing, sing songs all the time anyway. So it's pretty easy to take that in front of people and, mm-hmm. and roll with that. And do you, get, been do you write together? We do write together. Yeah. She is, uh, she is a great songwriter. We wrote some, some of the bands that string cheese, uh, some of the songs that string cheese plays, uh, the Colorado Bluebird Sky, um, uh, Love is Like a Train, uh, Looking Glass, 
let's see what else have we we've written what, we've what written a few one? together and uh, the new one i want you is that written by both of you or just influenced n- uh, that one was not that that i wrote um we have a a, a lonesome blues tune that i did a lot with the traveling mccorys ronnie Lake singing that with me we did a duet style on that and uh yeah so yeah there's there's music happening at the house yeah <laughs> i can imagine um all right well let me uh just thinking about the house now in Colorado, uh, you've and, and talking about writing, you've worked in the space with the bluegrass scene with someone that uh, we collect to call the Colonel Bruce of Colorado, and that's Burl. Burl, yes, yeah. So I, w- I want to ask you a little bit about your writing process, uh, how that writing process works, um, and some of the collaborations you and he have done. Um, well, you know. Uh, I think I've done a lot of uh, one of the one of the other people down in Nashville that I've done a lot of writing with is Jim Lauderdale. Oh, yeah. Who also has a great podcast, by the way. I don't know if you know that. Yeah. Yeah. Another great songwriter along with Burl and uh, with with Jim, you know, anytime I'm writing, I, I like to come in with a few ideas, you know, they can be fragments, they can be whatever fra- lyrics to a chorus, or it can be a chord progression, or um, any idea. You don't want to be, you want to have something to to throw out there and see what gains traction with the person that you're writing with. Um, so a lot of times when I go down uh, to Nashville and write with Jim, I'll have some ideas. And he, of course, has a multitude of ideas because he is always thinking about songs and he's always popping out his his voice memo and yeah. and sputtering some words into it from a conversation that he's having you know and uh so um and i the last tune that we wrote together stories for another day jim, uh, with uh, lauderdale with jim yeah yeah i came in with this long uh three-part chord progression of an instrumental tune that I was writing. And uh, he picked out one one section of that and one section of that section that was like basically a three-chord thing. And he said, well, let's just write with... And then he he, he sang melody to it and we started writing toward that. And... uh, came up with a came up with a cool tune you know so it can be it can it can go anywhere and i think that the most important thing about songwriting is is being able to go with somebody's ideas and let it grow into something as opposed to constantly saying no that'll that'll never work attitude so it's well it's that it's the improv yes and Improv in songwriting? Yeah, well, no, improv, in, like comedy, improvisation. Oh, so when they right. do like improv workshop, it's all about yes and. You work with somebody, something that somebody's mm-hmm. putting out so you never there. Say, you never say no. You never put a stop to something. You always yes end it. And right. so you keep it moving. And I can and see what a guy like. Get, when you get enough material that it's really coming together, then it's good to have a partner that can be like the lyric police. Here and you say, go. <laughs> Maybe there's another way to say that. Jim would say. Now, how about this idea? And I'm not married to this idea, but just say we said it this way. And he yeah. puts it out there in a way that it's easy to to 
move on if you don't like if you're not completely into it or you can uh you can use it and generally the ideas that he comes up with are good and yeah, he's super welcoming and humble person. So I imagine that makes it a lot easier. Do you ever on the road when you just have an idea or a thought and you like will call him up or call Burl up to kind of suss it out? Sometimes I I send out you know I'll send out some notes to to some you know Burl or or Jim and and see what happens from there. Now our listeners know the secret behind Burl, which is <laughs> his hunting and cooking. Hunting and cooking, which is good at both of those. Yeah. yeah. Do you have any? Uh, do you have a story that comes to mind you would share with Burl? Yeah. Um, I I don't know about a story. You know, I've I've known. I I I just remember uh, way back in Ridgeway pl- doing having some great all night picking sessions mm-hmm. with Burl because yeah, he he uh, he lived in Durango for a long time. So we were kind of in the same area down there. So um, we had some great all-night picking sessions and, and loved, loved to hear him sing his tunes. Yeah, it's kind of, it's, it's, Burl's interesting though. It's like, he's like this hidden, it's kind of like one of those ingredients. Like, you're like, mm, this, this dish tastes familiar. Uh, mm. You know, I just, I can't quite put my finger on it. And then you start scratching the song a little bit and you're like, oh, mm-hmm. Burl, he's, he's like hidden right. in all this. I mean, when, and you go down the line, you know, you start looking at, you know, you look at all the, all the, the new grass stuff that's out there right now and somehow he influenced it. Yeah. He is definitely, uh, uh, a guru to to the people that know him and and uh well respected for his songwriting yeah <laughs> <I mean. laughs> he uh he he lived down here in atlanta for a stint um oh yeah that's right like that's just, right and uh and then right. and then we interviewed him on stage and he disappeared <laughs> oh really <laughs> we brought him to the city winery we're going to release it sometime right josh uh-huh <laughs> um but yeah, he's an interesting one. But keeping on songwriting, though, um, where are you now? Like, are you are you in a motivated state? I mean, 20, I know with String Cheese, you're, you said you're twenty five percent of your time, or is it twenty five years? Hmm. I think it's both. <laughs> my life, twenty five percent of my life. Um, where am I with songwriting? Yeah, yeah. Are What's you the question? Create, are you in a creative uh, point right now? Well, or? you know, it's it's kind of like it, it goes in cycles. Like it's like uh, you kind of need to prime the pumps to get it flowing. Mm-hmm. And uh, I I just got done with one of those cycles, and um, as did the rest of the string cheese. And we have our new recording studio. Um, we 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 bought a a, a place together. In Louisville, not Louisville, okay. Louisville, Colorado. <laughs> yeah, and, um, that's funny. So that's... we've been doing a lot of writing and recording. Okay, you know, and we just got through with a big creative spurt and put out a, a lot of new music. And um, so I've gone kind of from the writing mode to the performance mode, and I'm just making sure that I'm tight on all new material and we're but we're performing a lot of the new tunes so you are recording a lot of new tunes but also you're dusting off old tunes i mean re- most recently um with a headline from electric forest the 10 miles to tulsa uh, i think that was like x number of years from maybe 20 20 something so how does that like i mean if you're in the in, like you said you're you got new material you're and now you're also dusting off old material how's that all play out well you know there it's it's 
fun to uh, to play some of those tunes that haven't been played in a really long time, like that tune. And and with Ten Miles to Tulsa, it's been twenty years. I re- I recorded that with uh, Liza Oxnard, who's now mm-hmm. uh, married to uh, one of our managers, Jesse Arato, and um, we recorded that together. And uh, it really hasn't been played much since that time. And uh, we've had, you know, we get, have people saying, you know, when are you going to bust this out? When are you going to bust that out? You know, and uh, I, I heard enough. Uh, I got enough of that. So I went and I was like, I listened to the tune and I was like, oh, yeah, that's that's kind of cool. And I uh, so I I. I had to relearn it because I haven't played it either, aside right. from String Cheese not playing it. So I uh, I dusted it off and and brought it in and um, it kind of has. A, to, do you go back and listen to old recordings to kind of get where I you... listened to the recording that that Liza and I mm-hmm. made of it, and uh, I thought, oh, this has a lot of the elements that work with String Cheese. So uh, brought it back in and it, and it went went great. A song like that, right? Let's say it was twenty years that that it took since you dusted it off, right? Um, and then, I mean, the influence of music that you have—not uh, just listening, but playing—because you know, you, as a band, you might you go from bluegrass to electronica. So there's mm-hmm. like influences now that are in your head that never existed. The music, I mean, never when you first played it. Do those come into play also when you when you're dusting off some of these uh, older tunes? Music that I've so like, uh, it's, uh, the, I guess it's like. You, you, your influence now, <clears throat> internal influence, right? Your internal soundtrack, mm. if you will, right. has EDM and all these other songs and styles of music that may, you know, that wasn't circulating in your head before. Uh, so when you take an older song, do you and you and you dust it off? Do you ever does it change at all in that sense? Like, oh, well, you know this, what? Let's this one didn't didn't really change much. We did a little uh, change in the arrangement so we could get a little get a jam going in it. Um, but yeah, you know, everything's evolving all the time. So a lot of times we just bring them back and play them once and they're gone again, you know. But, uh, you know, hopefully with with a song like 10 Miles to Tulsa, we can keep that in the in circulation. We'll see. All right. And then uh, with that, on that note, though, um, we mentioned Electric Forest, I think, of Hulaween and, and your incidents. Um, mm. And... Um, well, I'm spacing on her name. Who's your director that does uh, does a lot of your props? Well, um, Jeremy Stein, our manager, right. is is uh, the one that does most of the planning of our like shebangs and and things uh, when we have big well, it's events. Jeremy, and it's not Naomi it and uh, Nova. Nova, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Nova. Nova um, makes a lot of stuff happen and helps with uh, costumes and planning and does does a lot of work. Works closely with Jeremy to make make it all work. And we've we've talked a lot about uh, Electric Forest on the show. I've done some interviews, etc. Um, how 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 much influence do you have on what takes place in the forest? Uh, I. I th- Myself and and the band can put bugs in people's ears about things they would like to see happen. Yeah, and then it's left to uh, to 
to Jeremy and the and the rest of the promoters to uh, go take it from there. And it, and they take it from there. It's uh it's it's pretty impressive for those who have never been there. Um, the forest you can literally get lost in, mm, mentally yeah. and physically. <laughs> yeah, that was and that and that whole uh, the the forest and the all the eye candy and the things that happen in the forest and around the festival was really influenced a lot by uh, some things that we've been part of, like Fuji Rock mm-hmm. in Japan. Um, some of the lighting things that happen and the installations, I would say, are greatly influenced by uh, Fuji Rock in Japan and also a lot of Burning Man things happening. The uh, it's the scratching, you scratch one surface and they give you a clue to go somewhere. There's so much underlying dialogue and storytelling and just... M- mystical things happening in there but but that are you know that are thought out you know and 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 what creatively like the band the forest the the idea there is here's a here's an idea go with it and mm-hmm. then they script themselves and it all kind of ties together mm-hmm. but you know but that it's a uh, it's interesting anyone that hasn't gone if you don't like the music go for the forest <laughs> but i think there's enough music for everyone to like there um and then speaking of music and i know we're running out of time here i just want to um we talked a lot about the bigger bands that, that pave way for bands like Green Sky and others, uh, and just wanted to see if you had any memories you wanted to share, any thoughts regarding Jeff Austin. My old neighbor, Jeff. Yeah, that was definitely a tragedy, losing Jeff. And, um, uh, yeah, I, he uh, bought the house that, was uh on the same dirt road as as me and my wife jill and uh was our neighbor for a number of years out there and uh oh that i think the first time that i met jeff was uh was over at vince's place vince herman and uh we had a we had a a late night picking session out in Vince's barn outside his house and uh Jeff was just a kid at that point um and you know to see what he, what he contributed musically to the scene and and people my 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 daughters especially were big fans of Jeff's and um then and when when he uh, passed, I I spent the day watching videos of him playing with Yonder, mm-hmm. and I just said, "Damn, he just had this energy on stage that was really, really charismatic, and uh, and his mandolin playing and his his whole his whole presence on stage." you know, was, was really great. And, uh, I, I just, I just hope I, I, I also feel like, you know, and, and people that know him know that he was somewhat of a, a tortured soul, you know, um, and had lots of peaks and valleys in, in his, uh, 
you know, day-to-day existence. And um, I just hope that uh, he's found peace now. Yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah, it's, that's, it was uh, really tough to, to hear that, that that had happened and, and, uh, you know, we'll miss Jeff. Uh, Yeah, we will. And uh, we're, we're, we're fortunate for what he left us musically and uh, for all of us that were able to see him. But, and there's a lot of, like you said, tortured souls, a lot of musicians out there. This is not, this is not a, a rarity. I mean, there's a lot of, some of the best musicians, yeah, and you know, have that kind of thing going on where they're you know just seem to be like cracking in half their whole lives, and maybe that's part of, of uh, that's that's a big part of what's compelling about mm-hmm. them to watch them perform on stage because they put they're putting their heart and soul out there all the time. You know, it's like, uh, and it's so often things like these happen, I think like, well, geez, what can we do to help someone that we know or that we don't know? And, and then, then I also have that, then I I battle the idea that, well, you know, sometimes you really can't help people because if you try to, I mean, you can, you can try to help, but if you, you know, like trying to medicate someone, then all of a sudden they lose the spark of who that they are. So I agree, I agree that, you know, uh, helping them means taking something away from them that makes them who they are. Which, which sure. is, which is essentially killing them too. Yeah. So it's a, it's a challenging thing, but um, but yeah, it's uh, in our community, I think there's a lot more troubled souls that that just you know that people don't realize, um, and that's something mm-hmm. that you know, right. Um, but yes, well, on a positive note, uh, yeah. uh, twenty five years of cheese. Congratulations with that. Twenty five years of cheese. It's uh I got to check my cholesterol. <laughs> so do your fans. Uh, and speaking of that though, like uh, that's that's an interesting thing for for a band like you, you know, as a band string cheese is, is filled like the fox, right? You filled this room, this venue mm-hmm. and you're it's consistent. You're consistent filling venues across the country, you know, Red Rocks, etc. and um and the fan base, when you see the fan base, you see a lot of the folks, you know, getting older, as we all are, but you still right. have a whole, you're still getting filtered, uh, fed by the next generation. And that's Def- impressive. Definitely. Thing. You know, I'm, I'm really happy that we've always been a band that had fans of all ages. I looked out at the Fox and there were some people over 60 in the, you know, a couple people there and then kids right next to them just dancing and getting down and having a good time. And, uh, I, I think that doing different events, like, uh, doing, we, we go all the way from playing Del Fest to playing electric forest. You know, one is a rootsy Americana bluegrass mm-hmm. festival. And the other is an electronic, you know, uh, festival up there in Michigan. And I think that, um, going from, from one crowd to the other crowd uh, helps us get, you know, bring in, keep keep the the older fans and bring in some of the newer fans that say, oh, look, these guys are, you know, got got some programming going on in their songs. And, and then we come out with a bluegrass tune or we play a bluegrass tune that's programmed which we've done a lot, you know, I'll bring in a fiddle tune that I flat pick on guitar and 
you know, somebody like Jason or Travis will say, hey, that could be done like with this full Bali uh, Indian style electronic vibe. And, you know, so so we're trying to uh, go to all sides of the spectrum and then meld some of the stuff at the same time. And it keeps us from getting bored. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, for, we mentioned Red Rocks. So folks that are going to Red Rocks, I do want to make a mention that they should bring 20 cans of uh, food with them or suggested a monetary donation because Conscious Alliance that you all have been with for uh you're partnering with for years uh they're doing the uh poster uh giveaway there and excellent um, yeah we like working with conscious alliance they do good things yeah and people. motivating your fan base and all that together through your help has done um, i don't have the stats with me but i know that's a lot uh well thanks so much for your time have a great show tonight right on thanks seth been a pleasure enjoyed that as much as I did, and I really do appreciate Bill sitting down and giving me his time. But hey, Rob, at the beginning of the, right before we went to the I enjoyed end, it. You did? Yes. <laughs> well, thank you for that, Rob. I appreciate Most that. Most of it. Most of it. Um, but Rob, right before we, we got into the interview, you had mentioned something about like a Turner trick. I, I think I know what you're talking about. Was it possibly how I waited to the end to talk about Jeff Austin? Yes. All of you... Uh, aspiring interviewers out there. That's one of my Turner tricks. I've got a ton of them. I've not really mentioned many of them on the show, but if you have something uncomfortable or something that might create emotion or something that might create a weird situation, you want to save that till the end because uh, this is exemplary because had Seth asked about Jeff Austin up front, um, you know, then Nershi has to recover from the, if you listen carefully, he gets emotional there. I mean, you know, this guy loved Jeff Austin, just like so many of the musicians and, and music fans of Colorado and beyond. And, um, you know, then Bill would have had to recover from that and it might have tainted the interview, you know? So great job. Well, thanks. The, so the, the, the risk is that you run out of time or that you forget it, you know, or forget to do it, but you, you didn't, you, you about five minutes left, about perfect, dropped it in. Boom. We got a really nice, sweet moment there that I, I welled up listening to that the first time. Well, thank you for that, Rob. Uh, another thing we mentioned in the interview was Conscious Alliance. And those of you that know Conscious Alliance, uh, that's great. And and a lot of the, you know, know them as that, that organization that's uh, giving away posters at shows or something, right? Great well, posters. <laughs> well, cool but, posters. And they are doing that based off of, you know, it's a food drive. and uh, But they're more than just the food. But their their whole mission is to end hunger in underserved communities nationwide. And they're doing a great job of that. They're doing that through feeding the community, through art and music, etc. I'm really excited uh, as your rock That's right, your rock I'm headed out to Colorado August 25th to do an auction with them. Now, they've been doing... He mentions this right at the end of our of the interview we're about to um, share with you, uh, but they're doing an evening to support Conscious Alliance. They do it yearly at the McMillan family uh, estate, and this year's uh, performance is going to be with members of 
Big Gigantic, The Motet, The Nth Power, The String Seas Incident, Sound Tribe Sector 9, and Trey Anastasio Band, and more. Nice. Uh, this includes nice. dinner and and drinks, and it's a from everything I've ever heard about it, it's an amazing experience. And you could read all about it uh, if you're interested in going or just donating. Go to ConsciousAlliance.org, uh, go to their event tab, and you can see it there. Uh, but... I'll let um, Justin take it from here. We had a, I had a nice chat. It was about, what was last year? Not this past Electric Forest. The year prior, Rob and I both went. And at Electric Forest, I was there for the first weekend, and then Rob joined me the second weekend. But that first weekend, I, I sat down with Justin. I was able to talk to him a little bit about Conscious Alliance, and uh, I'll let him tell you more. Well, let me jump in, folks. Folks, this whole music world of ours that we're blessed with, the music, the dancing, the partying, the friendship, the analysis, all that is great and it's all part of it. But you also got to remember how we are impacting the world beyond us. And it is organizations like this that help assure that we're doing so in a very large and very positive way. Stay tuned. After this, I'll tell you about the Philly trip and we'll dig some stories out of Seth as well. All right. And Rob, how they how it works, I, th- I think you're, what you're trying to allude to is that they organize food drives. They partner with food makers. And they gather donations and put food directly into the hands of children and families who need it most. Uh, Last weekend, when Dead & Company finished their tour in Colorado and Boulder, uh, Dead & Company's tour uh, had a a nonprofit row thanks to uh, Reverb and Headcount. And Conscious Alliance and Positive Legacy joined forces and did a day of service where they actually did that, where they gathered and put food together and got into the right hands. Directly into their hands. That is key. Mm-hmm. And do you know that one in six children in the U.S. don't have access to reliable food or reliable access to food? Are you sure? That seems one out of six. One in six. Yeah, this is a this is a statistic. Uh, for more information, again, go to consciousalliance.org. And without further ado, Justin. One out of six. Boulder-based national nonprofit organization that has provided over 215,000 meals at Electric Forest for the local community. That is incredible. And this year, you're planning on um, how you think you're going to go ahead with back-to-back weekends. So, what what's the average number of uh, donations you guys get in terms of food? You know, this is one of our biggest events of the year, and we're looking at about 20,000 meals by the time we uh, leave the site to provide for the local community. And is it just it increases every year, right? I mean, it's the program. More and more people are jumping on board and participating. Yeah, we've added another booth this year. We have it at the Good Life as well, so we have three locations where people can drop off food. All right. So here's the real question then: What's the difference? What do you expect the difference to be in the uh, food that people are dropping off here in GA versus uh, Good Life? 
You know, I don't know, but I will follow up with you by end of day tomorrow and let you know. My, I'm going to go ahead and make a guess. Here it's going to be like green beans, uh, some squash, you know, like stuff like that. Over there, caviar. Caviar. All right. If I find caviar, I will take a picture and we will blow it up on the main screen. And what would you want to tell folks here how they can participate and maybe something about um, your posters that you guys, the program you got going on? Yeah. So um, Dolores Price, who owns a lot of the campground here, also runs the food bank. and She was Conscious Alliance Hero of the Year um, for all the work that she does in her community. And the food bank is right on site here. So folks can stop by the Tripoli or the ranch area, or the good life to drop off food, and all the proceeds go to help feed those in need. If you bring 20 cans of food or a suggested monetary donation, you get the official Electric Forest poster. And are there two different ones this year? Because I remember you had a foil one in the back. Yeah, so they're, they're actually both foil this year. We, we kind of turned it up for Electric Forest since this is, you know, one of our favorite audiences here and, and favorite fan bases. So um, if you bring 40 cans of food, you get the double set. You're not foiling them. You're spoiling them. That's right. <laughs> All right, and how can they find you online? ConsciousAlliance.org. And spell that for them. C-O-N-S-C-I-O-U-S-A-L-L-I-A-N-C-E.org. And one last question. What got you into this music industry? You know, my high school guidance counselor brought me to a Native American reservation when I was 15, and um, I realized that I had an opportunity to help youth, and it brought me to Conscious Alliance and to the music industry, and now we've had over 100,000 hours of volunteer time from young people fighting hunger across the country. And I already said one last thing, but wait a second. Don't you guys have a major event coming up in Boulder? Uh, or Denver, um, your annual uh, big fundraising gala? Yeah, we have a an event at the McMillan Estate in Denver. All right. Well, thanks for your time. Have a great morning and a great course. Thank you. You too. Again, if you're listening still, please check out on your laptop, your computer, your phone, wherever you access the internet, consciousalliance.org. Go to their events tab, and that's where you can find out all the information on the uh, upcoming event that we just spoke about. It's a Seth-heavy show this week, so uh, let's end with a Rob story. How about that? Uh, There goes our listeners. You can almost hear the channels changing right now, can't you? Oh God! You can almost you can almost hear people flipping over to, uh, hey, what's Beyond the Pond been doing this week? Hmm. Which, by the way, Beyond the Pond, great podcast on the Osiris Podcast Network. Seth, uh, yeah. So I had a bachelor party. As as uh, our listeners, regular listeners know, I'm up here in Boston for a while. But not your bachelor uh, party, right? I mean, you're not getting married again. No, okay. Our, our, our friend of the show, uh, Jefferson Waffle, who works with CID Presents, he uh, is Humphreys McGee's. Line your designer for another 30 shows or so. 
And uh, old dear friend of mine, I've known him for over 20 years. And yes, I was I planned my this trip because of this bachelor party. Jefferson is a great, great person. He's been a great friend of mine and supporter, and vice versa. I might add. Um, and for those our, for those that want to know more about this whole uh, before even the bachelor party, one about his proposal. There's an article in the Philly Magazine or something. You can you can search it online. There's a whole video. And Rob, you made an appearance vocally on it. Uh, if you go to my Twitter, R-S-T-N-E-R, or the show Twitter, Inside Out WTNS, there's a link to it. Or you search for uh, Philly Philly Couple Makes Extra Paris. I don't know yeah. what it is. Anyway, though, sorry. Go ahead, Rob. So there you are. Well, here's the deal. When I was in college, I lived in Boston. We'd drive to Philly all the time, Seth. We would make decisions to go see the dead late. You know what I mean? We would, like, track the set list. And then back then, you didn't get the set list necessarily right away. And if something like Morning Dew was due, Morning Dew was a big deal to us back then. So, uh, we would maybe get in the car, and we always had connections uh, to get into the show. Unlike Fish now, I'm shut out of the Connecticut shows. <laughs> but back in the in the Grateful Dead days, when I knew people who had, you know, when I was kind of in the fabric and could get tickets any show I wanted, we could at the last minute decide to go, and we did. And we would we would leave at noon or later. I, one time we left even after one, and we still made the show. So when I left at 11 a.m. on Friday to go to Fish, I thought plenty of time right right Seth right well that you get on the Mass Pike and before you're at Route 9 it's already slowing down I mean it was traffic in Massachusetts at like 11 11 15 11 on a weekday Jeez. I guess Friday yeah and then I went into Connecticut it was pretty smooth sailing but then once I crossed the Tappan Zee which is now the Cuomo Bridge there was my directions app was going crazy I ended up having to drive along the inside of just on New Jersey on the inside over to Secaucus and then cut up to the turnpike. Then I had to cut off again and then I had to do a different way. It was just a totally harrowing, annoying drive. Then I get to the hotel and we're staying in this swank waffle pretentious hotel. We didn't have a choice. We had to stay there, which was fine. It was a great hotel, but I wasn't going to pay to park. The parking was ridiculous. So I had to go check into the hotel, get my car parked, walk back with my stuff, go up to the room, get ready and go to the show. Mm -hmm. So, but, by the time I got to the show, it was after when the band would have started. But Seth. Yeah. Mother Nature remembers I'm an old school fish fan. Oh, yeah? She dumped a ton of rain on the band right just before they were going to start. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so which, wait, no, go on. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Well, what I encountered when I arrived at the venue, most of the people did not encounter because they were already in the show. But where Camden is, when that much rain falls, I learned this from the local people because I ended up meeting a lot of them. When that much rain falls in that short period of time, it just floods out the streets, certain streets all around the entrance to BBT. So this, this, um, the guy who drove me over, the Uber driver, the taxi driver, who was really, really nice, um, he started going to these puddles. I was like, man, don't, don't do that. And, you know, I mean, that's his livelihood. I would hate the guy to mess up his car driving through a puddle. And the car that makes him money because of me. So I said, look, just turn around, take me to that bar, a place called Victor's Pub, and I'll get a beer. And so I did. I had a beer, met some people. They said, oh, yeah, this flooding happens all the time, which, by the way, Canada, New Jersey, that, that wasn't so much rain that your street should be flooded out. And, and if, it, if that happens regularly, then you should, you, should be, you should have wood there or something and not make you – know, you have a major concert venue there. There should be a plan for this because what happened when I came out of the bar, I kept having to walk up streets because there would be huge puddles. And eventually I just had to take off my shoes and socks and wade through up to my knees water to get into the show dude hold on a second hold on a second you were walking around camden without shoes or socks on oh yes and, and you, you and still you have cro- your feet are still on your legs 
yes, and one one of the hot dog vendors, who's a nice guy too, he's like he's like some of the manholes are coming off. Be careful. And so everybody had to walk across tiptoeing, and I did kind you of feel gross. one. It felt like if I had stepped into it. And I walked by a police officer, and I go, "This is unbelievable." And he goes, "Believe it," and goes back to looking at his phone. So it's great to know the Camden police are concerned. I hope you like the economic benefit these shows are bringing you, you jackass. Jackass, you're the one that's walking around Camden barefoot. Have you? I mean, I there's needles and there's nitrous. And if I just went back to the hotel like an old cranky bug, the waffle would have been furious. So you put on your shoes, they get fucking wet. No, 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 no. This is better. Hear me out. So, so then I go into the show and go to our seat, which, by the way, everyone, no one wanted to hear the story. Everyone was just like, oh, are you barefoot? And you start to tell a story and no attention span. Everybody's too excited to see fish. Um, so I put, but I cleverly put my shoes and socks and, and, and watched the beginning of the show. And then about five, six songs in, went down and the socks were, were, were pretty dry. Were your socks red? Still... What? Were your socks red? No. Eh, all right. I was stealth Red Sox fan, except on the bachelor party night when I wore a cheesy Hawaiian Red Sox shirt that Waffle had requested. But um, so then I put them on, and there I was. Then, then I went and got a drink and went to the bathroom because I, I never had to walk in the bathroom with barefoot then, and, and I never had to have soggies. That, that's what you have to do. If you're stuck, I don't recommend. I'm actually very vocal about not being barefoot. The last time I was barefoot at a fish show was Clifford Ball. Okay, but Clifford Ball is much safer than Camden. Camden has like heroin needles everywhere. Right, so that's why I had went barefoot when the sun was out. Then the sun goes down. I have shoes and socks that aren't soggy. It's a veteran move. Well, I I, I would rather have soggy shoes than a needle in my foot. And then you start to get the cuts and shit. No fucking way. Oh my way. god! I mean, my well, dancing's my dancing and listening. The main things I do at fish shows. When puffing, you're also a big in, puffer. Oh right, right. I heard about Fenway. Uh, I skipped Fenway, and um, sounds like I made the right call there too. Not based on the playing. The band was great, just based on the audience and the sound. But uh, I'm, I haven't been able to hear much of Fish or Spack yet because I was up in New Hampshire for a week, but I heard the, the playing was, for the most part, pretty good. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, anyway, so that's my point. I ended up having shoes and socks. The, the, the big bachelor party thing was Saturday. It was great to hang out with people like Dave Soslowski, my old tour buddy. Um, you know, Steve Brandano came in. Um, who else? The, the, of course, Stephen Blythe Koshland, great uh, people. Our listeners are really excited about that. Anyway, it was just a celebration of Jefferson Waffle. It's been a it's a year of transition for him. It's been an emotional year for him. But uh, the best thing that's coming out of it is his marriage. This this, this woman he's marrying is Brooke. It's just incredible, and I'm very happy for both of them. It was fun to celebrate. And, I'm just uh, I'm just glad he finally told her about it because we did tell him to tell her about <laughs> it. Yeah, I was pushing him to get engaged uh, for a while. One time on the show, they got some uh, let's say hypervaliant umphreaks mad at me, but. Oh, I don't know. that's a first. Well, don't worry. I'm sure you did something on this show to get string cheese and fish fans mad at you, too. So good job. We'll see. I'm here to entertain listeners. I'm not looking to make friends. And uh... and uh, you know what, folks? Again, check out Nugs.net, CBD Vermont. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. Check uh, For our new listeners that joined us today, thank you for listening. Check out our past shows. We've got a plethora of them. We hope you'll hear, you'll come back. Y'all come back now, you hear? Yeah, but Seth, I got to talk about the fish music. One quick thing. All right. Please. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just be like, I don't want people to call me a cusky because I talk about three nights of fish and not the playing. 
But the third night, and I'm not even a big fan of this 20 years later song, but the third night they did a second song of the second set. It was pretty good. And then the jam coming out of it was amazing. Textured, patient, a lot of interplay. And the funny thing that came out of it was at one point, I think it was Trey made this noise that sounded like, it was like, Nina, Nina. It's kind of like some kind of cyber pew. donkey. You're you talking know? about the pew, not the pews. No, not that. Those that that shit from the meow 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 and that ninety shit that was great at first and then I ended up making you want to kill someone. No, he wasn't tuning into that. It was like nah, nah, nah. it was almost like a donkey, like a guitar a donkey on guitar. Okay? And then the others kinda of jumped on it and then it popped up again and then it would pop up for the for the rest of the show, right up to the final note. Most hilarious and musically wonderfully in Maki Supa, when one of the jams he uh he threw it out just before the jam was going to resolve, and all three of the others reacted to it, and then they dropped right back into the verse, dude. It was a fish moment among fish moments. I, I, there was, I, I had a kid next to me that I didn't even know, and he, he kind of looked over me, and we looked at each other, and we, we hadn't really interacted most, and we both looked at each other and freaking high-fived at that moment. Hmm. I would also like to say one, one, one last thing, that a lot of times the ballads and uh, the... Uh, Chances fish takes late in the second set piss people off, but I want to tell you that shade followed by most events aren't planned late in the second set. That same show, which is six twenty nineteen, great show. First set starts and ends a little weird, a little weak, but the rest of it is fantastic. And um, shade, most events aren't planned, was just fantastic. And then I think the Makisupa came after that, and then they threw a couple of rockers at us. Dude, that was a fish show among fish shows. It's just. You know, I'm critical of them at times. A lot of us are, but it's just such a beautiful thing. There was a time 10, 12 years ago that I never thought Fish would be playing this well again, and they are and have been for several years, and God bless them. God bless them for staying clean, healthy, dutiful, for bringing new material. Okay, I'm done. Thanks, Seth. You're welcome. Still there, <laughs> Kinda. Uh, I just wish, like, you know, something Kinda. like this. Well, I, I just, look, man, I think that what you just said was awesome, but, you know, next time, like, record go online pull a couple little pieces together and then we can actually demonstrate instead of some yam yam like put it together that's an actually what you just brought is really why? good because it's like be- 1400 fish podcast why do we gotta you know do too much about fish thanks for listening folks and if you want to hear more of rob and seth fighting tune into inside out wtns.com thanks for listening we love and appreciate every single listener
지게 